Good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here. Let me also welcome those who are joining us on Facebook Live. They're joining us, joining us live. It's been an incredible weekend so far for some of you. For some of you, not so incredible. I get it. But it's been fun, right? I mean, it's been a great week. This, let me tell you, this is week three of our series, Threads, Thoughts, Threads, and Trends. And it's kind of the, the end of the first installment of this series because, again, one of the things that we said that we were going to do is we're going to look at the Scripture, look at the Bible, and find different thoughts, different threads, different trends that are woven into Scripture. Uh, and we're going to pull those out, and we're going to kind of talk about those and, and see why does the Bible do that kind of thing? Why does the Bible, you know, do things in thoughts, threads, and trends? And one of the things, one of the trends that we started to see in the week one, which was two weeks ago, uh, was the numbers in the Bible. The Bible has a lot to say about numbers. As a matter of fact, there's a book in the Bible called Numbers. I think God just absolutely loved numbers. So he kind of weaves those all throughout Scripture. And we said, you know, let's pick one number specifically. And we started looking at the number three. So the first week, which was the first week of fall break, uh, and this is the last week of fall break, for me, can I get an amen because everybody is gone and I want them to be back. But we looked at the three days and three nights that Jonah spent in the belly of the fish. Last week, we looked at three chairs, which that kind of catches you by surprise. But if you go back on our Facebook page or on the Crossroads Lebanon website, you'll see you'll listen to the message. Uh, you can see it actually on the Facebook page. We talked about three different chairs, the chair of commitment, the chair of compromise, and the chair of complacency, and how those chairs are actually found in Scripture. And specifically, we, we looked at the life of Joshua in the Old Testament. Now today, we're going to continue to kind of focus on that number, that number three. Uh, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But you know, I, have you ever noticed how things in life are just kind of better when you do them together? together? Uh, I, I, I make my way to the office every week, every day of every week usually multiple times a day, and when I do, I, pla I pass Planet Fitness. And it's always interesting to me about the people who work out. They always tend to have a workout partner. A lot of people I know that go to Planet Fitness, they work out together. And why would you do that? I mean, why? Because, again, things are just better when you do them together. Life is just better together. It's the very reason why you've never heard somebody tell you that you can win an all-expense-paid trip for one. I mean, nobody does that. It's always an all-expense-paid trip for two because, listen, things are always better together. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to start with a question, and here's the question behind me on the screen. I want you to see it. The question is this, why? Why is it that, that that's the way that it is? Why is life actually better together? Now think about that. Look, look at the question. Think about why is life better to get together? Just think about it. Because I'm going to tell you this morning that the answer to that question is deeper and more mysterious and more profound than you could ever imagine on the surface. So I want us to answer that question. And to answer the question that you see behind me, why is life better together? We have to go all the way back to the very beginning. Because here are the beginning words of Scripture in Genesis 1, 
verse 1. Here's what it says. Look, look at what it says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible also tells us that everything that God created was good. I mean, when he creates the mountains, it's good. When he creates the fish, it's good. When God creates the animals, it's good. But then something happens that is so essential for you to understand the rest of the Bible. And I don't want you to miss this. Because God strikes at the heart of why life is better together. Look with me, Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now, notice what, what he doesn't say. We're going to leave that up there just a second. Notice that God doesn't say, say let, me, let me do this. He doesn't say, let me do this. He says, let us make mankind in our image. So what's, what's the deal here? Well, in what you see on the screen behind me, we're starting to learn something about the true identity of God. I mean, this is one of the early indications of something that I grew up knowing. Uh, it was called the mystery of the Trinity. And, and most of you are pretty familiar with the concept of the Trinity because maybe you've been in a service like this where there was a baptism and whoever was baptizing said, you know, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you're kind of familiar with that. And maybe some of you are not. Maybe the only thing that some of you know about the Holy Spirit was from Don McLean when he sang American Pie. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The three men I admire most, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they caught the last train for the coast the day the music died. And they were singing, bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing, this will be the day that I die. This will be the day that I die. Woo! Ain't we cool? <laughs> Again, they didn't do that at a manual. I can guarantee you that. Let me tell you this. <laughs> the Bible clearly teaches that your heavenly Father is God and that Jesus is God and that the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there is one God. And even though I have known about this my entire life, and even though I have studied this, I'm just going to be totally honest with you and admit to you this morning, I don't totally understand it. I mean, think about it. People have used all kinds of analogies to try to get other people to understand this concept of the, Holy, uh, of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
I mean, you, you've heard people use this. I mean, I think I've even done this one time. You, you basically say, you know, it's, water, it's, it's one substance. It's, it's water, it's ice, and it's vapor. It, but it's still all one, but it's in three different forms. I saw and heard something that was really corny where somebody used uh, ice cream. And they said, it's like Neapolitan ice cream. You know, it's all the same ice cream, but it's strawberry, it's vanilla, and it's chocolate. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come back to Genesis 1 in just a moment. But the, the verse that I want us to focus on this morning is actually found in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And here's what it says. This is kind of the verse that anchors us this morning. But here's what it says. It says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ... The love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, notice in the verse, look, look at the verse behind me. In that verse, we have Jesus, we have God the Father, and we have the Holy Spirit. And each of those throughout Scripture is referenced as God. And yet the Bible declares that the Lord our God is one. And all three gods and, and all three gods in one person, they're right there at the very beginning when God creates the heavens and the earth. Look, look at the second verse of the Bible for me. Here, here's what it says, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So not so not only was God the Father there at creation. But that verse tells us that God the Holy Spirit was there as well. John chapter 1 refers to Jesus as the Word, and I want you to notice what it says. John chapter 1, verse 1, here's what it says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through Him all things were made. See, in the beginning we learn something about the identity and the mystery of God. God the Father, God the, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they were all there creating. Then God says this in verse 26 of chapter 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now notice that human beings are not like any other created being. Because we are made in the image. We are made in the likeness of God. So here's the thing. Uh, just, just listen to me. I'm sure that God loves your cat. But it's not made in the image of God. It may be made in the image of Satan. I mean, I'm not going to say that. But, any, but anyway, I'm not going to go there. But, but I'm sure God loves your cat. But it's not made in God's image. And that's the thing I want you to realize. I want you to understand and to realize you're not here by accident. You're intentional. Because God is the one who made you. You did not come out of some ooze. You came out of the heart of God. You didn't originate out of some cosmic explosion like science, some scientists will try to convince you that you did. But you come from a God who cares about you. You come from a God who loves you. And not only does that God love you, he wants a relationship with you. Look at Genesis 2, verse 7. 
Then God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, notice the scripture there. The word breath actually comes from the Hebrew word, which means spirit. So take a minute and think about what that is saying. In other words, what God did, God breathed into Adam his very spirit. Adam, in that moment that God breathed into him, was one with God. I mean, think about that. Just visualize that. God breathing into Adam, in that moment, God was in him. And God looked at all of his creation, and God said about all of his creation, he said, it's good. But then he looked at this guy named Adam, and he said, you know what? It's very good. But it didn't take long for God to realize that there was something that wasn't good about what he had made. Look look at the next verse, Genesis 2, chapter 18. God said it's not good for man to be alone. Why is it not good for man to be alone? It goes back to the question that we started with today. Why is life better together? And I don't want you to miss the answer. Because the answer is that we are made in the image and the likeness of God. And who is God? The Trinity. One God, three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. United together in community. United together in love. So because of that, here's something I want you to see. The thing that I want you to understand is that when God created you, look look, look at the screen behind me. He He hardwired you to need other people in your life. We are hardwired by God to need other people in our lives. Why is it not good for you to be alone? Because you are made in the image of a triune God. Why is everything better together? Because you're made in the image of a triune God. Why do you have this emptiness inside of you? Because you were made for a relationship with God. You were made in His image, and you are hardwired by God to need other people in your life. Does that make sense? It's not good for us to be alone. So for the sake of relationship, for the sake of community, for the sake of humanity, and for the sake of aloneness, God makes a decision to create another human being. Now let me, let me just stop there and tell you, this is one of the reasons why I want you to understand That as we start moving through the end of this year into next year, I'm going to tell you, if you're visiting with us today, and I hate to say it this way, but I just like to be honest. I'm very, very transparent. I mean, Crossroads is a different church post-COVID than we were pre-COVID. I mean, lots of people have not come back. Lots of people have made a choice not to come back. Some people do join us online. But we're going to start ramping things up. And as we start ramping things up and trying to get you involved, here's what I want you to hear me say. 
when I try to get you to do things, when I try to get you involved in any aspect of community here at Crossroads, the thing you need to understand is that it all comes out of this thing we know as the Trinity, the mystery of the Trinity. Everything grows out of the mystery of the Trinity. In whose image I was made and you were made. So what, are, what does God do? Well, look at Genesis 2, verse 21. Here's what it says. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Now, there, there's a very, very deep theological question that I, get, that I get asked many, many times when I'm speaking out of the book of Genesis. And, and that question, again, it's theologically very deep and sometimes hard for people to understand. And some people get offended by this. But many people will ask me, Randy, why did God create the man first? And I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm just going to give you my personal theory as to why God created the man before he created the woman. Here's what I believe. God looked at the man that he had created. And he said, you know what? I can do a lot better than that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm going I'm to give you a hallelujah amen right here in the house because I'm going to tell you, if it wasn't for women in the church, I don't know what we'd get done. Now, remember that after all of the other days of creation that God said it was good. But then after he created man and woman, he said, what? It's very good. And they come together. The man and the woman. And the Bible says, very specifically, they become one flesh. Two separate people, yet they become one. Two separate people becoming one made in the image of God. And at the beginning, let me just tell you, just hear what I'm saying, that relationship was perfect. Adam and Eve live in perfect relationship and perfect harmony with God. And then it all breaks. It all breaks because you see earlier in chapter 2, I want to show you what God had told Adam. Here's what God had told Adam. Look at Adam. Look at Genesis 2, verse 16. He said, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge, of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from that tree, you will certainly die. And, and listen to me this morning. For some time after that, Adam and Eve obeyed that. I see, I, I think we forget that. Adam and Eve lived in perfect harmony, obeying God. And the thing that's important about this is for us to understand that's really a glimpse for us to see what heaven's going to be like. They lived in perfect harmony with God. Now, now, here's the thing. I don't think many people think about this. I don't know whether that perfect harmony lasted a few days, a few weeks, a few months, or a few years. 
But look at what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Now listen to what I'm saying. They both ate the fruit, and in that moment, everything breaks. In that moment, the world breaks. And because of what they did, listen, listen, the world would never be the same. It's almost like, it's something that we really know a lot. It's almost like a virus gets injected into the human bloodstream. And we know what, we know all about viruses, don't we? we? We know all about that. And Adam and Eve would eventually die because of that one decision. And see here, again, it's that decision to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's that decision that fills them with shame. And they hide from God because now, you know what? They realize that they're naked. So what do they do? They're naked. They're ashamed. They have shame about their nakedness. So what do they do? They get fig leaves and they sew fig leaves together to make coverings for themselves. And they're thrown out of the garden. And at this point in the story, it looks bleak. At this point in the story, listen, it looks hopeless. Adam and Eve are removed from the garden. Now think about this. Before you know it, their sons, Cain and Abel, they're at it. And Cain murders his brother Abel because he's jealous and he's angry. So think about this. Now we have a broken relationship with God. We have a broken relationship with each other. We have broken families and we have a broken world. But there's good news because the story isn't over. Let, let, let's go back to our main verse. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We're going to leave that verse up there for just a few moments because I want to focus on three words. The words grace, love, and fellowship. Let's just start with the very first word. The very first word is love. The story of Adam and Eve is not over because your father loves you more than you will ever understand. He loves you so much that the Bible tells us. What does the Bible tell us about God? What's one of his characteristics? The Bible tells us that God is what? Love. Many of you have this misconceived, the wrong perception about God. And you need to realize that this is his true character. God is love. He's a God who embraces outcasts. He's a God who is consistently fighting for the underdog. He touches the untouchable. He mends the heart of the broken. And he really loves you. And this morning, more than anything else, he wants to do life with you. And you know what the story of Adam and Eve? It's because of that story that we get insight. 
when we see what God did for Adam and Eve after they sinned. They're naked. They feel ashamed. They get fig leaves. They cover themselves up. They cover their nakedness with fig leaves. But God is about to do something, listen, that would knock the wind out of them as they were hiding from him. Because the Bible tells us that God says, you know what, I'm going to cover your nakedness with an animal skin. And, and, and most people think, you know what, when, when you think about an animal skin, you know, you, you kind of think, you know, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. God's going to give them a, a leather vest and some leather pants. You know, that's, that's really, really cool what God's going to do for them. But I want you to understand this morning, if you've never understood this before, li listen, this is a big deal. Because what we see happening in the book of Genesis, let me tell you what God is doing. Listen, listen, you may have never heard it this way before. In Genesis, God is giving you a glimpse of what would happen six hours on a Friday in Jerusalem. He's giving you a glimpse of the price that he is willing to pay so that he can demonstrate his love to you. And you say, Randy, what, what, what do you mean? Well, let me, let me show you. God takes an innocent animal in the garden and he kills that animal. Now, now, so you don't think about this. You have to remember, God kills an innocent animal and you also need to keep in mind, this is the first time that anybody has seen death. So you can imagine how Adam and Eve would have responded watching however God did it. I don't know how he did it, but however he killed that animal and watching that animal die, you know, you know, just, I don't even have the words for it, you know, in pain, shaking violently as God killed the animal so that he could get the animal skins from the animal. But God takes the animal and from that animal, he takes the skins and he covers their shame. And he covers the nakedness of Adam and Eve. So it's almost like God was saying right there in Genesis, for the sin to be paid, an innocent third party is going to have to die. An innocent third party is going to have to make a sacrifice so that those sins can be paid. Because you see, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no covering for our sins. And this is the foreshadowing of the second person of the Trinity. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God. Who would pour out his blood on a cross. His perfect blood. He would be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. 
He would bear the punishment that would bring us peace. And by the wounds of his hands and the wounds of his feet, us broken people with a broken relationship could be healed. See, here's the thing. We need perfect blood injected into our veins to cure us from that sin virus. And that can only be done by the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, the Son. And let me just say this. Do, do you know what happens when you find the grace of Jesus? When you find the grace of Jesus, let me ask you, do you know what you experience? You experience the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, Randy, what does that mean? What do you mean when you say you experience the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Let me, let me kind of give you something I think will help you visually. Anybody remember the Gatorade commercial? I saw it actually this last week, the Gatorade commercials where the athletes are doing all their athletic things and, and they're sweating Gatorade. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you know passion, you know, uh, fruit punch, lemon lime, riptide rush coming out from the underarms, uh, glacier freeze over the, over the forehead. I mean, cool blue, fierce, you know, glacier apple. I mean, all, all of these things are coming out of the athlete. You see these different colors coming out of the athlete's body. And then Gatorade asks the question, is it in you? Is it in you? But do you remember when God breathed into the nostrils the breath of life into Adam? His spirit in him? Look at, look at what Jesus says in John 14. Jesus said this in John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you. And will be in you. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, here's the thing. When you find the grace of Jesus Christ, when you come into a relationship with God, do you know what God does? He breathes His Spirit into you. And you come into community and relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is just a jacket. It's just a jacket. But, but it's the perfect example of what I believe God does when the Holy Spirit comes in you and inhabits you. It, 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 it's like your body actually comes to life. And see, th th this jacket would just hang there without something to give it life. And that is exactly what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in you. It brings you to life.
It allows you to do things that you would never be able to do, to, to go through difficult circumstances. Maybe you've seen people who have gone through difficult circumstances, painful experiences. And you think, you know what, Randy, I would never have the strength to be able to do that. But let me just tell you this morning, you would. Yes, you would. You just haven't had to have that strength. So God hasn't given you the strength yet because you haven't needed it. But if you did need it, God would give you the comfort of the Holy Spirit that you need to endure the difficult circumstances and eventually heal. Because if you found the love of God through the grace of Jesus Christ, then you have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And he's in you. And regardless of what you may go through, listen, you will never be alone. Everything in life is better together. And the reason that everything in life is better together is because you were made in the image of God. The God of three persons. I mean, think about it this morning. The Father who loves you. The Son who died and rose again so that you could receive grace. And the Spirit who lives in you. And let me just tell you this morning, life is not complete. And there will always be a void in your life until you experience a relationship with the Trinity as well as relationships with others. Because remember what I said. We are hardwired by God to need other people in our lives. I mean, think about it. Jesus knew that. So what did Jesus do? He handpicked 12 guys that he did life with. And, and let me just say this morning, that amazing cast of characters, they became like brothers. The early church, the first followers of Jesus, they did the same thing. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to community. So here's the thing, I want you to hear me say this again. When we try to get you involved, we want you to know, we're not just trying to promote another program. We're trying to get you involved because you were made in the image of the Trinity. And we want you to experience what God made you for. We're always walking with people who are going through difficult circumstances. Let me just tell you this. We're always in this church walking with people who are going through difficult circumstances. And let me just say, it makes all the difference in the world when those people who are going through difficult circumstances 
have deep relationships with people in the family of God versus people who don't have relationships with people in the family of God. I mean, I just lost my mother in July, and, and honestly, we had the absolute best time and funeral and celebration of her life, and the reason why I was able to celebrate it the way I did was seriously because I, I know where she is, and I was able to do it because I was surrounded by people like you. I don't know how people go through difficult circumstances and situations and they don't have relationships with people of faith. Life is so much better together. And let me tell you, life is so much better with a God who loves you more than you will ever understand. And with Jesus, the Son, who died on the cross so that he could give you grace. And with God, the Holy Spirit. Now think about this. Who will be with you now and forevermore? I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I'm just going to ask you right now to stand up. All across the room, all across the room, stand up. And here's the thing. Uh, the reason I'm asking you to stand is, is I just want to give you a little space to be able to experience the work of this three-in-one God. I just want you to have the space. In just a moment, we're going to worship with our voices again. But right now, here's what I'm asking you to do. Stand where you are and close your eyes, bow your heads. Because maybe you just want to take this time to thank God the Father. Maybe you want to take this time right now to thank Jesus the Son. Or maybe right now you want to take the time to thank the Holy Spirit. God, we just take this time to celebrate you. Our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as much as we may not understand how it all works, we're thankful that you're a God of love, you're a God of grace, and that you're a God who will never leave us or forsake us. So God, all across this room, and not just in this room, but online as people are listening and watching, we just reach out to you. And we thank you for being a God who loves us and cares about us. We thank you, God, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace, for your love that's extended to us on a daily basis. And God, there's nothing that we can do that would ever keep us from your love. That's hard for us to comprehend because on this earth, things are so conditional with other people. But God, let this moment be a time of recognizing that you're a God of love and grace. God of three persons, the blessed Trinity.
God, we thank you for your goodness. Give us the opportunity, give us the space right now as we vocalize this and we sing this last song to declare just how great you are, how good you are, as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.